It's been another whole year for the podcast. And for me. Meaning it's time to celebrate our anniversary. And my birthday. So join us for another look back at another year of Music Arcade. And another year of me. Welcome to the Music Arcade Anniversary Special. And my That voice was perfect, Eddie. I was like three feet away from the mic. Yeah, I didn't roll I know, back that I mean, far. The just... tone of it. Yeah. Hello, I everyone. Knew and what I wanted to go for. Sorry. <clears throat> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <sighs> and we're off to the races. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the two-year anniversary special of Music Arcade. I'm Galen, the sound guy, Firestone. I am Wanakal, the ghost of podcast past, showing the forbidden fourth host this grim, dark reality. And I'm Eddie, and I don't actually celebrate my birthday, but I do write the intro, and I do go for cheap jokes. And yeah, that was I... the cheapest I could find kind of need I, I feel the need to apologize but you did write that i yeah happy birthday dude and elaborate jokes in this economy right um yeah. i should note that uh, like we've been doing the podcast for two years so i should have known it in advance but only when we were planning this episode about two three weeks ago did it hit did it uh hit me that um the podcast anniversary is exactly one day after my birthday. So, yes. you know, the joke was there. Exactly. Um, man, what a year of this show it has been. It has been a very mixed year scheduling-wise, especially. Uh, my move, in part, took like three months of my life. Um, so that made things very complicated at times, and I'm still really thankful you guys stepped up while I was in Vegas. Well, I try my best to, uh, hold the fort when it needs to be, and, uh, it helps getting the right mindset that I know you'd do the same. Yeah. Um... This has been a really experimental year as well. Like, we took some more chances than we usually do. Um, our April Fool's episode, I keep coming back to that one, is really kind of a highlight of the year. Because not only did we bring in the extra host, we brought in Sam, uh, but, like... The Forbidden Fourth Host. The Forbidden Fourth Host. We should have invited her. I'm, I'm kind of... I feel like that probably would have been good, and I didn't think of that until right now. And now I feel like kind of a jackass. I thought about that while writing the joke for my intro. Yeah. So, um, go us? <laughs> go team. Uh, all right. Well, um, we'll, we'll have her on sometime soon and try to get that handled. Uh, exactly. <laughs> whoops. We're the, we're the most functional, dysfunctional podcast team around. Uh, we are. I mean, we do put out episodes, mostly. Like, we're on episode 40. Yeah. Wow. It's an average of 20 episodes a year. It's not bad. Not bad. Um, Especially not for something that kind of started as a joke. 
with just following a Twitter joke. Reaction to a trend that was expanding and hey, wouldn't it be funny if and then two years later we hear. Oh yeah, like we just were following some Twitter joke and then suddenly, you know what? Would be cool if we did a podcast about that. Yeah. And now we're here. I, I guess I never took it as a joke because I always do take music and sound seriously. Shocker, I don't. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't feel it's, it was a joke. I feel it was some, um, like... It was a whim. ...format to follow through yeah. as an excuse to talk about some music we like. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I've been pretty happy with our format, all told. Um, I like our kind of show-and-tell thing going on, and I think that works. But I'm also very happy when we kind of go off, uh, off the... We know yes, when to break the rules when we talk that's about... That's what I was going to yeah. bring up, that, uh, the format is there as a reliable part to... as a base to go off of, and then we can afford and allow ourselves to break a little bit when the... Yeah. When the topic demands it, or just when we feel like it. Like, our most recent episode was about a single composer, which we do three or four times a year, it feels like. Maybe maybe less than that. Yeah. But um, I'm always proud when we can get a really concerted episode doing something like that. Um, and then our Kid Icarus episode was another one of those cases, uh, which was also very recent. How is it we've done, like, almost our best work of the year in the last, like, month and a half? Like, man, we really finished strong this year. I'm very proud of that. I, I think it does help a lot. I think it does help a lot that, well, you did finish your move to Hawaii. Yeah. And uh, my health is finally improving, even though I I managed yeah, to the spend food, the last... The way? I, I was gonna say, I... I Everything else was improving, and then I managed to spend the last three weeks with what feels like the most motherfucker code possible. And I'm sorry, Galen, you're gonna have to censor that. Why are you apologizing for me doing my job? Stop. Just, we're cool. Thanks. <laughs> you know, the character can kind of kvetch sometimes, but me? I know how to edit. I've been doing it for years. Fair enough, then. Fuck it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and you say you don't have impeccable comedic timing. Right? I did say I go for the cheap jokes, and that was cheap as hell as well. It worked. Got us laughing. Indeed. I'll take that. Um. Oh, man. There were... Uh, you know, one of my favorite things to edit out, and, like, I, I, I mentioned this before, um... One of my favorite things to edit out is when one of you two says something so obscenely silly that we just break down laughing for a good minute and a half. And I sometimes yeah. wish I could keep those moments in, but they just take up so much time. And half the time, the thing you said is like quasi irrelevant anyway. And I'm just like, not really much I can do here. Quasi irrelevant. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if it happened this year or the last, but there was one episode where someone said something. I can't remember what. what. And we spent well, like thanks helps a lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> we spent like ten to fifteen minutes, just the three of us laughing, mm. nonstop. I couldn't breathe by the end. It was, 
we have those moments on occasion, and I love them, and I usually hate cutting them, um, because, like, it is so natural, and I thought about, like, putting in, like, 20 seconds of it, then fading out and moving on, but that feels really unnatural. I've tried that in an edit a couple of times, and it just, just never works the way I want it to. Um, it feels like a canned laugh track when I do that. That's never good. Uh, I get it, I get it. On the flip side, I would say that one of our best editing moments came this year on the April Fool's special. Because that was the episode where uh, you told me to make the most ludicrous story possible about how I got into Epica or how when you I was a teenager. Really. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, um... I tried to get into Epica, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like that way more than you do. Uh, that much is old history. But yeah, no, I'm I'm actually that was a fairly simple edit. Like that was just cross cutting some that was just cross cutting and cross fading some dialogue. It wasn't even like I didn't even I cut out a sentence here, a thing there, and just faded them. Um but it came out really well. I was actually super happy about that one. Um I will be honest, I'm kinda surprised with myself as well, because I spent like five minutes just yes ending my own jokes. I mean, sometimes that just is what's needed. Uh, you are kind of our best improv guy, I think. Like, when it comes to making up off-the-cuff stories. Like, originally, I think I was the one who was supposed to tell a story, and I had to, like, literally respond to you guys. And I'm like, I'm just not that smart. I can't I can't do that just off the top of my brain. <laughs> I need backup. And, and Eddie volunteered to step up, and we made a really great... We made a really great sequence yeah. out of that. Yeah, I think I'm more of a note-taking guy, and I think for work for this podcast, I kinda infected you with that. Um, yes and no. I do take fairly copious notes, but I also get lazy and start resting on my laurels and not doing that. So, like, yeah, you definitely are helpful in keeping me on the ball, that's for damn sure. And can we just give a shout-out? to Rana over here, because there was a point... I'm just gonna go ahead no, and peek behind... No, we cannot. Well, damn. <laughs> there was a point, uh, peeking behind the curtain, where the schedule was kind of falling apart, and I I was, like, only available, like, once a month because of everything that was going on, and Rana just put his foot down and was like, yeah, we need to do something. We Stop this bullshit. Like, let's go. Um... Oh, no, you're going to have to catch yourself oh, no. out of that how, world. How dare I bleep how... myself. Oh, yeah, no. But, um, a big thank you to Rana for that, because sometimes we do need a boot in the ass. Yeah, and, uh, I don't necessarily like being the one delivering it, but I think it's important sometimes to do something, and I hope you would uh, return the favor if it uh, needs to come down to it, because it's not just that uh, things are lacking and that, uh, the result isn't there, it's that, honestly, given that we have a rhythm and that we kind of like doing that, not um, missing episodes regularly mm -hmm. and uh, delaying again and again, it just feels bad after a while anyway. I, I fully agree, and I was definitely letting my personal life get in the way of the show, and I really need to stop doing that. Um. You know, I, I, 
mentioned this on the Discord, but I may as well fully announce it now. Uh, it's my hope that over the course of 2023, we get the full, like, new package together. I want to hire someone for PR and um, social media management. I want to get a new graphics package together. I want to seriously consider the webcam plan and start doing more of a picture edit, which will actually be very difficult for me because I'm not as good of a picture editor as I am an audio editor, but I will try. Um... When it comes to picture editing, personally, I just occasionally throw up a meme uh, edit uh, when inspiration strikes. Yeah, but um, but that's not being a full-fledged thumbnail artist or anything like that. Yeah, uh, the other issue I'm running into is that Adobe has like the best picture editing software, but at the same time is also like evil. The worst monetization. Yeah, I I like. Okay, more peek behind the curtain. Uh, Pro Tools is the most, like, it is the industry standard audio editing software. I am running a Pro Tools 11 HD. This is an older software version. You know why? Because starting in 12, they started to go subscription themselves. You know how much I spent yep. on this HD license of Pro Tools? Because it has a native 5.1 mixing and I'm a 5.1 mixing specialist? More than my rent at the time. Yeah. So I spent, Oof. I'll go ahead and say it, 2,500 US dollars, and this was in 2010 money, on this license. Yeah, this permanent asterisk license. No, this one's actually permanent. This one, this one, I I will be able to use this software yeah. until the end of they'd, time. They'd love it if it weren't. Though. They would love it if it weren't. They want me to go subscription, and I, no, no, no. $2,500 in 2010 money. I mean, that's a ton now, but that was a bigger ton back then. Like, I think my yeah, rent... Meanwhile, at, we... Yeah, I think my rent at the time was 1900 a month, which was also, like, way too much, but... Meanwhile, me and Eddie, we're just not updating Audacity because it risks being used as part of a Russian botnet. Which, boy, howdy, that's a I can of worms. I actually had to... Yeah, I actually had to... To update mine because uh, of the new uh, PC I bought earlier this year. Oh no! But, uh, ah, sure, ah, sure. Uh, yeah. Please get a VPN. It, it is a thing. Please get a VPN. I'm I'm begging you. <laughs> <laughs> I do have the free version of Proton VPN. I don't know how much that helps. This podcast is brought to you by surprisingly no VPN company. We are like the only podcast in town to do that. Yeah, um... Please pay us money. <laughs> Please pay us money is right. We'll sell out. <laughs> yeah, we're probably also the only podcast not, uh, not sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I know be a, lot of my, if, uh, a lot of my friends have gotten the kinda, Raid Shadow Legends. Um, they uh, pay well, I've heard, but it uh, would be kind of hilarious if a Gathering of Gotchas had never gotten a Raid Shadow Legends sponsor, but we did. Oh, that'd be hilarious. That'd be funny. True. Oh god, Gathering of Gotchas. I do kind of miss that show a little bit, but eh, I'm, I'm much happier here. I think this is by far and away the better show. You know, live and learn, right? Like, we had something, it worked, then it didn't, and this one works way better. Yeah. Because... I'm happy we did it. Yeah. Me too. And, once again, Rana kind of forcing the issue. I had, like, 
I, I know I talked about this last year, but I will once again say it. Uh, back when I first was trying to get the show together, I had this idea of trying to get, like, certain specific things together. And then Rana was the one who was like, we're just doing it. Let's just go. Let's just start it. And I'm like, you know what? Perfect is the enemy of good. You're right. Let's go. Indeed. As you can see... I, I kind of try to act upon that because I know these behaviors. Mm -hmm. I have them. I don't like having them. So mm -hmm. I do my best if I see an occasion to help friends such as you and Eddie to uh, avoid stepping on those big flashing landmines. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a painful perfectionist mm -hmm. just for multiple reasons related to my mental health. Yes. It, it feels are. like we all do have that in common. Um and uh Man, this show has just been like there's so much about it I'm so happy with. I if I had to like kind of shoehorn us into roles, um Rana was like our executive producer, the one kind of keeping everything like up and running and just making things work. Execute. I'm... Execute. Execute. Pretty much. Uh, I would be the line producer slash post-production lead, obviously, because I'm on the technical side of things, and I'm uh, a kind of the onboard leader, quasi-director, and then Eddie is, of course, our writer, who has done brilliant intro and outro work for two years now, and just made us all laugh and gave us a great way in. Gathering of Gotcha's never had an intro like this, never had a cold open, and that's to its detriment, I gotta be honest. Also stepped up as the uploader and uh, yes. does some uh, reporting on stats every now and then. Which is appreciated. That kind of inadvertently ended up playing to one of my strengths that I only later learned I had. So here's another peek behind the curtain that is a bit more personal. Uh, I've learned this year that I am technically on the autism spectrum. Uh, I believe it was in September, August, somewhere around around that, that I learned that. And uh, I've been uploading the episode since around June, if I recall correctly. So like, we didn't know I had this. And then the diagnosis came out and, huh. Turns out I am very much into logic mm -hmm. and numbers, despite being a creative person. Okay. So I, I keep walks, track of the walks. numbers. And I ended up just keeping track of the numbers. Every now and then. Yeah, at first uh, the uploading was uh, my responsibility, but then I it off to you with the idea that I would then focus on uh, Twitter presence and the likes, but I wanted to do that only when we had uh, a more completed visual package, and one year later it's not a thing, and I haven't done anything much, but yeah, that people. <laughs> yeah, that's... um. It, it... Just yeah. to future-proof this episode, uh, as of the time of this recording, Twitter still exists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Correct. Correct. What also still exists two years later is uh, that logo I threw up in, like, 
two hours, maybe? I mean, yeah, but it plays. Apparently. At the time, I thought I could design logos. Oh, boy. Because originally we were going to keep it up just for the first episode and then I was going to come up yeah, with something. Yeah, which is why the first episode's YouTube upload has additional joke on the bottom of the logo that's H. Pooley. Um, oh, God. And then I went, oh, right, I cannot illustrate despite knowing how to use Illustrator. That's, By that's episode issue. two, you also went, maybe you should remove the jokes from the YouTube upload just in case the logo isn't temporary. And, uh, Which was one of the many demonstrations of our superpowers <laughs> of foresights that are still very much a thing, apparently. They are! What was our most recent... We are uh, oracles. Our most recent one? Uh, the, the, the most recent one was rather bittersweet, because oh, it was yeah, the Killer was Instinct the killer thing. thing. We're like, oh, there's a Killer Instinct announcement. Turns out to be a spectator mode for an arcade emulator. I'm just like... Well, that's, you know, progress on Killer Instinct, I guess. It's just not something I care about at all. Yeah. As I said on Discord, we have those powers, but we cannot control whether they come for good or for uh, underwhelmingness. Exactly. Anyway, let me talk about Xenoblade Chronicles X for like an hour, just in case it manifests something. <laughs> Free it from Wii U jail, please. <laughs> please, I want to play this video game. I don't have a Wii U. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, uh, just, there was also the episode before that uh, was the Kidikari surprising one, and then uh, Sakurai's YouTube channel had a mention that was like, boy, it sure would be nice to play Kidikari surprising on a home console one day. I mean, let's be honest here, there was also by spending a whole year being like, please give us Tactics Ogre and Ogre Battle, or not Ogre Battle, and uh, Final Fantasy Tactics on Steam. I I don't yep. know how I managed to pull that one off. I'm that's still my proudest moment. I'm I'm a hundred and oh, something yeah. hours into Tactics Ogre Reborn with no sign of being done yet. And I'm just like, this is a game <laughs> that actually is real and exists, and I'm playing it, and it's amazing. I I this helped. I helped manifest this. More specifically, I didn't obviously, but I do feel like that. Maybe it's tooting our own horns, but considering how often we tend to call or otherwise um, predict things, even obliquely, I feel like we have our finger on the zeitgeist somehow, and I don't know how we've managed yeah, to do I this. Yeah, I was going to say that. It turns out looking at video game music is a surprisingly efficient way to keep your finger on the pulse. It really is. Um, and I think that's really... I can definitely say that uh, I wasn't very much into following all of gaming news until we started doing this this podcast. Especially since I'm only a PC gamer, I cannot afford any console. Right. So, you know, following the news was never really my first priority, and to be honest, still isn't a priority. Understandably. But somehow through the podcast we three kind of keep each other informed yeah and it's something i actually really like it's just sharing the more recent news uh, i did it recently with the game awards uh, just spamming the more recent uh, announcements that were relevant to me mm -hmm. and that's actually how my uh, i came on to use discord at all because uh, for a while I was 
off Skype and on nothing else, and then got uh, a friend to contact me to have a temporary little group on this new program called Discord that was weird but interesting, just to chat about E3 like 2017, I want to say. And uh, the server in question is still up and is basically the real life friend server uh, that uh, I have on. That's awesome. Yeah, my, um, I lost my train of thought. This happens a lot. I'm probably going to leave that in. I, <laughs> my attention span has really gone to hell the last couple of years. Um, I have no idea what you mean when you say you have a terrible attention span. Look a butterfly. <laughs> so Is this a pigeon? Um, oh yeah, now I remember. Our very first episode was about the Game Awards, wasn't it? Because I remember Probably. my, I remember my I mean, comment. the timing checks. Yeah, I remember uh, being annoyed at Final Fantasy VII remake winning the best soundtrack <laughs> award. Not because it's a bad soundtrack, because it's brilliant, but because it isn't the best soundtrack of 2020, it's the best soundtrack of 1997. Yes, I do yeah. remember you mentioning that exactly. Yeah. That's incidentally, ironically. incidentally, for this episode, I've uh, looked back uh, on uh, some uh, past years uh, of the Game Awards, and there was uh, something interesting. Hmm. Uh, like... One of the things that caught my attention was uh, 2017, a.k.a. the year where Persona 5 lost Best Soundtrack of the Year. To what? Who, who won that To Neo Automata. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, that year was stacked, <laughs> and also, not even nominated, was Xenoblade Chronicles 2 because it came out in December. Oh. I guess that timing also tracks. Um, did yeah. you at least make the 2018 list? Nope. Oh, wow. You come in December, you don't get Jobs Awards. Ouch! Yep. They need to the fix game that. Game Awards. It's like yep. awards of a joke. Yeah, they really kind of are, to be perfectly honest. Which actually oh, brings boy. me to an interesting point that Eddie had. Why don't you take it away? Yeah, so uh, the Grammys are now issuing awards for... Um, what they call video game and uh, interactive entertainment soundtracks and scores. And uh, we got the nominees, I think, in September of this year. So about a couple months ago. But we kind of didn't touch on it because, well, in part because it didn't fit into the episodes and in part because, to paraphrase the, the YouTuber that I often paraphrase, Todd in the Shadows, the Grammys are a joke and me bringing up the Grammys makes me kind of a joke. Um, well, Rana and I, Rana and you did say we started this thing as a joke, so I guess the joke's on us. I guess, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting, because, uh, the Grammys, they have a very different, uh, nomination window from the Game Awards. So, there are no games that appear on both the 2022 Game Awards and the, technically, 2023 Grammys. I want to compare uh, these lists. there is one composer. Sorry? I want to compare these lists. Uh, sure thing. Uh, there is one composer that does does appear on both lists, but let's let's go with the ones that do not repeat first. Okay. So, the Grammys have Aliens Fireteam Elite by Austin Wintery, 
Okay. Which I haven't seen the game, but Austin Win Wintery is yeah. a bit of a Wintery's a name, a known name. I know him. Uh, there's Same. the Dawn of Ragnarok uh, DLC for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which was composed by Stephanie uh, Economo. I'm butchering that surname. Sorry. Uh, Long-time listeners may recall I had very mad, a very mad take on the vanilla of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I haven't touched this DLC, so I cannot comment on it. Uh, the third nominee is Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy by, uh, I think this is a French name, Richard Jacques. And uh, Old World by Christopher Tin. And there's a fifth uh, nominee that I will go back to in a bit. Well, Christopher Tin... Game Awards... Yeah. Christopher Tin did make history for Bobby Yetu winning a Grammy. I don't even know what category for, but, you know, Civilization, a video game, won a Grammy for the yep. first time for on Christopher Tin's work, so he's absolutely notable for that, if nothing else. I remember it made news because it was like five years after that game came out, too, and suddenly the Grammys are paying attention. It's like, you guys are really a joke. It's uh, it won for a very weirdly specific uh, award in the Grammys, which was best instrumental arrangement accompanying vocals. Which I think was uh the way they named the uh world music award before the 2010s. Sure. <sighs> go go Grammys go. I mean, I would say it sounds convoluted, but I have an opposite complaint about uh, one of the Game Awards award. And if you'll allow me the side note, one of the things I also looked into was uh, Best Performance, which uh, is a celebration of the voice acting work that goes in video games and is only for the English-speaking performance. You know, in a medium where Japanese-speaking performances are not important at all. Sarcasm. You know, and as I... an aside, I will also defend to my grave the Brazilian dubbing industry. Because as of recent years, they uh, game devs in general have been putting the money and the work to actually add Brazilian-Portuguese uh, dubbing to their games. Which is I awesome. Think the first big name to do so was League of Legends, which continues to do so to this day with every update and even with the Arcane series. Hell yeah. And they use professional uh, voice actors. Yeah, great. I'm always More going that. before that. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I can kind of understand... Like, I, I agree with you that they should have absolutely uh, labeled English-speaking on that yes. a little more clearly. Yeah, I don't mind that the category exists, but it feels dismissive not to name it uh, by English-speaking performance. It, it, it kind of feels dishonest. Uh, yes. We know they are English-based. They, they are... Uh, the entire... Um, yeah, the awards... Company like, the awards is English-based. Uh, is almost certainly Japanese all-American. Yeah, the only Japanese performance that was uh, noted uh, was uh, for Ghost of Tsushima, 
where the voice work was done by a Japanese American. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. most award shows are pretty crap. Like, let's just be honest here. It's a lot of politics yeah. behind the scenes. But at the same yeah. time, they yep. we do mention that in particular because it's kind of a landmark and an excuse yeah. to have a starting point to look at what happened this year. Well, we've heard the nominees for the Grammys, and I have not played a single one of these games. So, yay? Let's talk about the Game Awards music choices then, I guess. Yeah, yeah uh, one of them, uh, one of the Grammys, I will be mentioning later, because it's by a composer that also got nominated for the Game Awards. So, the Game Awards for 2022, uh, the nominees for Best Soundtrack were A Plague Tale Requiem by Olivier de Rivière. I, I'm, I'm Olivier sorry, Olivier de Rana. Rivière. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. We, we all know I, I suck at French. Uh, well, the... you're not on my level for sure, but says the you're French also guy. not French, so I'd say I you have a best. reasonable excuse. I try my best. I'm uh, pretty sure your French is better than my Brazilian Portuguese. That's probably fair. Anyway, like, shall we continue? I, I would like to check that one day, but yeah, uh, moving on. The next nominee was Elden Ring by Tsukasa Saito. Uh, we had uh, Metal Hellsinger by Two Feathers. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 by Yasunori Mitsuda. And the winner, God of War Ragnarok by Bear McCreary, which I'm leaving last because Bear McCreary is the only name that appears on both lists. He was nominated for the Grammys for Call of Duty Vanguard. I didn't even know he worked on a Call of Duty game. It's it's funny how much um it's funny how much uh game work he's getting lately because let me tell you something about Barry Creary. I've edited him. He's a TV guy. Ooh. Um most notably, I... not a show I worked on, but one that definitely is a huge inspiration and a show I absolutely adore, would probably put on my top ten favorite TV shows of all time. He was the lead scoring composer for Battlestar Galactica. I think the first that, time that I came one had across... some pretty some pretty relevant musical leitmotifs on everything, right? Too. Yeah, yeah. I think the first time I came across uh, his work was when he was announced as doing the soundtrack to the score, actually, sorry, to uh, the movie Godzilla: King of the Monsters, mm -hmm. which was the sequel to the Americanized uh, Godzilla trilogy. Uh, and I, I remember there was a lot of talk about how you know he he added. Taiko drums, and he was heavily inspired by Japanese tra uh, musical traditions, and you could definitely hear it. And he also, just for the end credits, made a cover of Blue Oyster Cult's Godzilla, which was pretty fun. That's pretty uh, great. I still prefer the, the original, but his version was pretty fun. I mean, yeah, it's a movie version. I'm not that surprised. But straight up, like, he is a really good composer. Uh... Yes. So him winning the Game Awards, if just from a politic, doesn't piss me off that much. Though I did notice, once again, they're bad at labeling, because I noticed Elden Ring, they left out like two or three composers, including Yuka Kitamura, who we talk about. Yes. And then, let's not get started on how many they left off of Xenoblade 3. Where's Ace Plus? They're just as important as Mitsuda. That they are. 
And I would also argue uh, for Metal Hellsinger, while they did credit the apparent uh, songwriters to Feathers, I am not familiar with who Two Feathers are, I would say that the talent in Metal Hellsinger was a big part of why that soundtrack was yeah, notable. Yeah, it's a yes. big selling point to have like Serge Tankian and Michael Stada, Bjorn Strid, and all these people who are like, hey, metalheads know these names. Hell, non-metalheads know Serge Tankian. And the craziest thing is that on my perspective, that wasn't uh, even Metal Hellsinger's best trick. The best trick was integrated that into the gameplay in such an effective way. Yeah. The game it feels like a pleasure to play and listen to. And that wasn't a given. Yeah. Um, this is, from everything I've seen, a really experimental game that I would love to check out at some point, and I probably will sometime next yeah. year. Um yeah, and it's not my personal favorite of the five. But it's the one that feels the most impressive for its gameplay integration. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, like, Xenoblade just, as a general rule, just goes completely over the top with their music. I've never heard a Xenoblade soundtrack that I haven't liked. Or at least haven't at least respected. I'm not a huge fan of Xenoblade X's is what I've heard, but that's just because it's not my style of music. Yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is my least favorite uh, Xenoblade Chronicles soundtrack. And I still think... I mean, it... It is my favorite of the nominees. By pretty far, honestly. Because... Given that I only played uh, slightly over half of the nominated games, there's a little bit of emotional resonance that is lost. Uh, and I'm sure... It's especially relevant for Plague Tale Requiem, but uh, from what I've gave a small listen to, it seems like pretty, or oh, very competent application of medieval music, music that would have existed or sound like they would have existed at the time depicted. That it's a period piece, right? And I can respect that a lot. And uh, then you have Elden Ring, which is uh, just booming and has some incredible highs that manage to uh, kind of keep you in the action when you get back to the same boss for the 25th time in a row because <laughs> your build just isn't the right one. But it has a similar situation to uh, God of War Ragnarok in that between those impressive high highs, there's a lot of silence. Um, a lot of uh, complete lack of music just taking the atmosphere and warm around a little bit. That's a pretty and, common uh, thing with Western games, I've noticed. Most Western RPGs is. and Western adventure games tend to lean heavy on the environmental effects as opposed to the music. We've covered this a few times. Yes, which is uh, why Elden Ring feels a bit surprising in that in that aspect because that is a pretty western application of uh, those terms yeah that's and been... again so it's generally over uh, open world as a design decision yeah but boy did they pull it off and then we have uh god of war Ragnarok in st uh, itself and given that it won i gave it a more for listen in preparation for this episode and uh, I have notes 
care to share with Night- the class? Oh boy. Yes. <laughs> so, given that I was, to be perfectly honest, a bit salty for Xenoblade's sake, uh, I came in there with the idea that I'm going to look at what's wrong and point at it and be angry and salty about it. And uh, my first conclusion is that those tracks are really good. It's Bear McCreary. I'm not really surprised that he's a good composer because he's always a good composer. Yeah, like, uh, I thought it'd be way more samey than it is, but uh, uh, while there are some concerns, and I'll come back to those, uh, there really is a a wealth and a treasure of different... uh, uh, uses of what he has at his disposal, his uh, compositional skills, but also the entire big-budget orchestra and the choir. And that kind of leads into one of my main concerns, which is this AAA mentality justified by the silence between the track, uh, which is to feel the need to have to use everything for every single track I... because there's breathing room in between them with the silences and the like so that apparently means that you need the full choir that goes full ham even for the funny dwarf merchant brother theme so i actually have a counter argument to that go on so y'all may remember that i'm friendly with gerard marino uh the composer of the original god of war games Mm-hmm. As a result of this, I have listened to those soundtracks as well. And you know what? What you're talking about is actually part of God of War's brand identity. It's it's part of its musical identity. Even if that identity has shifted in the um, T.C. Carson to Christopher Judge years, um, I still think that enough of that identity remains and enough of that recognition remains, especially given a spoiler making a return surprise cameo in God of War 2018 uh, as their original God of War 1 voice actor. Um, there's still enough connection to that, like, giant over-the-top just cinematic experience that the God of War franchise as a whole possesses that I kind of think that may have been intentional and that, like... Oh, I don't say that it isn't intentional. Yeah. But I'm I'm kind of I... like it would be weird if it was like God of War with silence is already weird. It would be weird if when there was music, it wasn't just balls to the wall. Yeah, but as a result, I have to admit that uh, listening to the soundtrack uh, in a row was a bit of a challenge after a while. It's kind of like when uh, with a friend we marathoned uh, Metalocalypse. I love me a little bit of metal. Having it for four hours uninterrupted can be a little bit heavy in the end. Yeah, there is such a thing uh, as overstimulation, so I get it. But I feel like this may be an in-context situation where probably in the context <laughs> of the game it's a lot more even-handed. Yeah. Looking at the amount of uh, playlists that I have on Spotify that are that are 100% metal, I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, yes, <laughs> I, I'm very much the same. Uh, in fact, I've been listening yeah, I... to my, my uh, list of... Uh, my Spotify list of uh, the top whatever songs I listened to this year, uh, the most listened to songs I listened to this year, and there's like three or four synthwave tracks, and then the rest is just metal. 
<laughs> so I don't even bother with those anymore for me because I use music to help me sleep. So that my my sleep playlist just absolutely smothers the entire thing at the end of the year. Fair enough. But no, to yeah. uh, come back to the composition of the soundtrack itself, when you get down and listen to it, I feel like it really lends itself to be analyzed because you can see the motives, you can see things like, oh, this one has a call and response because they're two brothers, so there's a duality that I emphasize. And this here is a theme that is like it uh, continues on. It tells a story if you really listen to it. And it's great and it's interesting, but without that analysis, I mean, how to say it? Okay. I think I've proven over this past year and the one before that I think subtlety is the tool of cowards and that I don't like it. Didn't you just go on this whole thing about how unsubtle the soundtrack is as a failing? No, no, I don't think it's unsubtle. On the contrary, I think it's booming and kind of overbearing, but I don't think it's unsubtle. There's a difference there. Okay. But, uh... So, the fins and the kind of colorations are very different, but... If you just give it a passive listening to, uh, it's just orchestra and choir, orchestra and choir, orchestra and choir, and the instrumentation is very unified, which feels weird to me for a game where you go across nine different planes. I guess that's fair. And I, I, then, I think I can see your point. And I understand that, uh, a lot of that is deliberate, it's choices, it's good choices for what it what it's for. But after listening to a few tracks, I just wanted to return to the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 soundtrack because it feels more diverse, more unsubtle in some ways, but also more fun to me. There's also a very present motif that is uh, the flutes, because uh, uh, two uh, main characters kind of use these as part of funerary rituals and so there's a lot of flute everywhere to the point where there's uh, this uh, animation I linked instead of a mm -hmm. more static image uh, YouTube upload in which there are things like a flute being used as a flamethrower or a giant recorder missile pursuing uh, somebody and uh, it's kind of excessive at times and that's the normal battle theme but uh, there's other track one there's no flute because it doesn't need to be everywhere 100% of the time and this can lead to interesting things where there's a variation of a theme you've heard before but now there's flute added because of some story relevance and there's way to take things off in order to make them more important and that's the kind of thing that resonates with me, really. Uh, all of that is fair. All of that is very fair. Um, I try to be. Understandably. Um, 
Now, I have not heard the God of War soundtrack, and uh, what little I've heard of Xenoblade 3 I've liked, but I'm not really in an authoritative position to um, argue for or against either of them. I will say it doesn't sound like God of War is undeserving of the Game Award. Yeah, absolutely, and I am definitely not saying it shouldn't have been, right? It should have been that other one. I'm just stating that it's not where my heart goes. That's entirely fair. And again, when I listened to uh, God of War Ragnarok soundtrack, I wanted to listen to Xenoblade Chronicles 3 soundtrack. When I listened to Xenoblade Chronicles 3 soundtrack, I wanted to listen to Xenoblade Chronicles 2 soundtrack instead. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the conclusion is that I don't know what I want. That is... Although, to be fair, part of it is kind of intentional, given that there's uh, one side quest in the game where they pay reference even more directly to their predecessor, to the point they shift the battle theme to Biggs and Relic Chronicles 2's battle theme, and it's awesome. Do they go back to 1's at any point? I think so. Good. All I needed to know. If nothing else, there's uh, also uh, the trilogy uh, of uh, You Will uh, Know Our Name in uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 1, mm -hmm. Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which has You Will Remember Our Names, and uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which has I think it's just You Will Know Our Names final version or something. You know, that's it's funny how, like... That's a good song, but it is not one of my favorite battle themes for Xenoblade 1, and I Same. kind of, like, I, I get why it's their big one. I know this is a totally unfair comparison, but every time I hear you will, you will Know Our Names, all I can think of is it's a weak version of the asterisk boss theme from, uh, from Bravely Default 1. Yeah. I think that's a statement I can get behind. It's not even my favorite, but at the same time, part of why I linked uh, the, uh, the tribute animation to uh, the... Yeah, I have some uh, notes about theme. that theme. That song is wild. Yeah, and uh, I linked the animation because uh, it's it kind of shows the way this track resonates, not just with me, apparently, but with enough people that uh, throughout the series, these kind of video tributes are pretty consistent, that there's something people want to pay homage to, because uh, it uh, tickles them the right way. And uh, I think that's something that uh, uh, God of War Ragnarok kind of soundtrack doesn't set out to do. And, uh, I don't know, I feel like I'm more the kind of uh, people that enjoys those uh, extroverted, here's that track I like, so I'm grooving to it kind of situation. And I'm going to send 15 terrible memes about how uh, the Akira Mabuchi uh, theme in uh, Like a Dragon Rocks too. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I fear for our now playing segments starting in uh, starting in January, because we've got the Year of the Dragon coming yep. up. Uh, 
we you know we talked about doing it as a podcast i feel like we may need to just spin it off and just have a separate year of the dragon podcast like entirely and just uh, not even bring in the yakuza music in an outplaying otherwise it's gonna be like 80 percent of our not playing output yeah yeah no that checks out uh oh god uh, i do expect to spend a lot of uh 2023 just hearing you guys go on about uh about yakuza you know they are Good all music. on pc you are welcome to join us in this challenge i know they are but you know how i how i don't do well with rpgs usually i have a hard time calling this one an rpg but okay other than like a I dragon mean, which is like a yeah dragon, that yeah. one's an rpg but everything else is like a beat em up with some rpg trappings yes fair enough that's that's kind of the reason why I'm not. I, I'll just go ahead and say it. it's kind of one of the reasons I'm not looking forward to like a dragon, because like um, at the time of this recording, I think River City Girls Two comes out tomorrow. Yes. Um, and that sort of beat 'em up hybrid made me so happy and continues to make me happy. And the fact that I have this like I come from this like final fight and beat 'em up background. Uh, Golden Axe. Millions of hours of Golden Axe playing with my friends as a kid on their Sega Genesis. Um, yeah. And even some arcade experience, too. Oh, no shortage of that. Like, can we shout out the Simpsons arcade game and the X-Men arcade game, both of which are just absolute Ooh. classics? I spent more than my fair Solid share of quarters dicks. on those. Um, <laughs> and, like... I come from this beat-em-up background, and that informed my later love of games like Devil May Cry and games like Dynasty Warriors, which have that, like, beat-em-up DNA in there. And to have this, yeah. like, modern beat-em-up franchise with these adventure and RPG elements that just really speaks to me become just a straight RPG down the road makes me really glad Judgment is a thing that still exists, and I hope it continues to exist. Please, more Judgment! <laughs> because, no, Johnnies, don't destroy the franchise! We need it! I absolutely loved Like a Dragon, and I agree that the beat-em-up part needs to still exist because I have issues with it, but overall it's still very good and very fun. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, flawless. The lack, of consistency, the lack of consistency at times in a post-Dark Souls era can be irking. Um, eh. I'm, I'm, you know my opinion on Souls games, I've been pretty open about my dislike for the, for the genre, so, I don't mind things being a little imprecise, I care about how fun they are, and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the combat system of the Yakuza games beats, uh, Souls any day of the week in terms of just sheer fun factor. Mm -hmm. I don't want to play a game just because it's hard. It needs to be fun, too, and I think that's really kind of the... I think part of that is that the fandom push the hard aspect instead of the fair aspect and the consistent aspect, which is what matters to me and what makes these games fun to me, not the hard part. Fair enough. Um, I will say, just from personal experience, the only actual Souls games that I've liked have been Dark Souls, Tools, Dark Souls 2, Scholar of the First Sin, and Bloodborne, and then that's about it. And even them, like, Bloodborne's the only one I would rate, like, genuinely high. Um, Dark Souls 2, Scholar of the First Sin, and I have to, like, specify that, like, specific, uh, enhanced version. Yes. Um, was at least playable. I did not like Dark Souls 1. I played, like, 10 minutes of Dark Souls 3 before I said, F this. 
Um, yeah. I played a bunch of... Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. Like, mm, uh, no Souls game is in my top three uh, Souls-like. Yeah. Um, I didn't enjoy Code Vein at all. I thought it was a mismatched, just misbalanced mess. Um, I love it. So you've, so you've repeatedly <laughs> said. Um, <laughs> the Surge 2, I played a little bit of that one and kind of enjoyed it. So on and so forth. Uh, probably my favorite Souls-like, and this is stretching the definition of Souls-like for a lot, is actually Dismantle, which is an indie game that came out this year. Well, sounds like a great way to start talking about other games that haven't been featured in a world and that came out this year. Let's do that. All right, let's take a look at this list you provided. Um... Yeah, which was just uh, some games that were... Noteworthy to me in uh, some way, even briefly, even if I haven't personally played it. Like, when Jammers 2 uh, has some gems, even though its uh, timing of release definitely wasn't the best, when Jammers needs this arcade energy to be found. I didn't even know it existed. It does, and uh, it. I think it was delayed a couple of times because. Uh, Releasing a game that is so reliant on uh, coach uh, multiplayer or arcade multiplayer mid-pandemic is a choice. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it got a bit unlucky in that uh, aspect, which is a shame because it has uh, some very cool look and some very sweet presentation. I-M-O. Um, Pokemon Legends Arceus. And I know it's supposed to be pronounced, but I refuse to pronounce it any other way. Um, I have no memory of that soundtrack. I enjoyed the game. I have no memory of that soundtrack. I remember I think there was like one or two songs I thought was cool, and then they just left my brain and stayed gone. Yeah, it was definitely more subdued than most uh, Pokemon soundtrack, which was very much intentional, Yeah, I feel. Yeah, moving to open world. Um, it was a nice experiment. King of Fighters 15 is on here. Uh, you know, fighting games tend to have, usually tend to have pretty good soundtracks. That's already February. I want to go back to oh. another January game, which was Needy Streamer Overload. I've never heard of that. Sorry, I, I, my brain skipped that one. I apologize. No problem. And uh, this one was... Weird, it's kind of a multiple endings, uh, time management game that uh, is uh, pretty edgy at times, and uh, it's weird, but I feel like the soundtrack does uh, uh, some some interesting things with reflecting, like, some of the mindset uh, content creators can get when they try to get really into the grind and really into... Uh, getting some big numbers and go faster and faster for what uh, is essentially more and more gamifying their job. And uh, that frantic tone was uh, something that stayed in my mind when I looked at the game. I was like, oh yeah, that, uh, that track in particular. I'm glad that's what that game was 
because that title gave me two options and one was not safe for work. <laughs> it also is that option. Oh god. You have specific ending if you have too much sex. <laughs> of course you do. Oh, who, of course who, you do. Who made this game? The same team behind uh, Max Gentleman? Like, what the hell? Mm, not that I know of it, even though uh, the Max uh, uh, Gentleman guy is currently working on another game in the series. Okay. And just started writing for it. I, play I, I played a little of that one. I thought the writing was pretty good, but the gameplay just drove me up a wall. And I'm just like, I like these <laughs> characters, but this, this business fighting mechanic is just, I, it, it's just, it's a combination of overly complicated yeah. and way too thin. And I'm just like, I don't know how you managed to do the worst of both worlds, but good job. Get me out of here. Yeah, it has a bit of a mobile feel to it. It does. Too. And that really kind of hurt what little of it I played. Um... Mm -hmm. Anyway, KOF 15. Okay, uh, was it good? You're probably the only one of us who played it. I think I was, and yeah, it, it was good. It uh, uh, had some pretty nice uh, follow-up as well, and yeah, no, it's solid. It's kind of hard to take in, but that's part of what makes it uncompromising, and I like that. That makes sense. Yeah, as for the soundtrack, some good homage, some good reinterpretations, some uh, edgy sounding new things that feels a bit phased out of time, but I kind of like it. It was pretty sweet musically. Not, you know, oh, this should have been nominated in the Game Awards or anything, but it was a fun time. Um, and then we have not one, but two over the course of this year, um, uh, Voice of Cards, cards games, yeah. which is the... They're basically pumping one every six months. Yeah, and that's the immortal combination of Taro Yoko and Keiji Okabe, which we know works so well. I don't know anything about these soundtracks, it's a series I keep meaning to get to. Um, but at least the pedigree's there, but then again, we're dealing with someone who is wildly inconsistent in the form of Keiji Okabe. Yes. There's definitely some strong points, but it's... I mean, it's no Neo Automata. That, that admittedly is a very high bar. Yes. Um, Even for the man himself. Yep. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West. I need to play this game at some point in the future. I have a PlayStation 5. Uh, I will remember my opinion of the first Horizon soundtrack was a giant middle finger in that I literally don't remember if there even was music. Yeah, and that feels like a trend that uh, would uh, carry over yeah. to the second game. Like, th there's, like there, there's me going, there's a soundtrack here, but I don't remember it. That isn't, th this isn't that. This is, was mm -hmm. there even a soundtrack question mark? Because I have, like... No memory of there even being music in the first place, which is a level of, like, quiet atmospheric subtlety that I didn't know actually existed. You may have entered the Twilight Zone. Right? Um... Yeah, no, it's the highest level of this uh, Western sensibility uh, that says that the soundtrack only exists 
in order to uh, reflect on the game and that it kind of isn't allowed to shine by itself to which i say have you played halo <laughs> have you had any single person complain uh when everything explodes and i'm running on that uh, a car and everything is uh, falling apart and it's super cool i totally got out of the action because the music was too good yeah that's a little that's a little incorrect i think um yeah i feel like it's something that gets repeated a lot but isn't really a thing in the facts like Having a music that takes you out of the action is only really a thing if, for, I feel, very repetitive games or grind-heavy or MMOs in particular, where well, that can be a thing. Aside from that, I don't really see it. Got it. Uh, next we have Destiny 2 Witch Queen. Eddie's going to be the primary on that one. Eddie? Yeah, I kind of got into it uh, in the middle of the year. Um, so, just quick explanation. Uh, the way Destiny 2 works right now, uh, they're thinking of making some changes, but right now the way it works is uh, when a new expansion comes out, there's a new season pass that comes out as well, and the ga the, the year is divided in four seasons. And you can either buy a singular season, plus the expansion if you want or not, you, or you can buy the full season pass, or you can buy just the expansion. Usually people who are very much into the game will buy the full expansion plus the full season pass to get all the content. Makes and sense. that's what I did. So I got into the third season of the year, called Season of Plunder, and... Since I had the full season pass, I could also experience the two previous seasons. Season of the Risen and Season of the Haunted, as well as the main story for the, the main campaign. And I'd say the soundtrack's a mixed bag. Uh, I've mentioned in the previous episode how I really enjoyed their use, uh, their use of leitmotifs and the sort of integration of the lore into the soundtrack itself. I thought that was really neat. There are some cool tracks uh, in the, the main campaign. The seasons... Honestly, I only kind of remember a couple tracks from the season of Plunder. It's not like each season has its own full album. Usually it's like yeah. a handful of new tracks for the new activities and some cutscenes. Uh, the season of the reason kind of came out along with the expansion, um, so it was just more of the expansion soundtrack, which was okay. Uh, season so of the just Haunt to clarify, uh, would each of these seasons correspond to say a major patch in another MMO? More or less, yeah. Okay. Uh, so for example, so it's mainly content-driven likes. Yeah, uh, they are looking into changing the format a little bit in the future because people are getting tired. But uh, just to illustrate, when, um, when the expansion came out, along with the Season of the Reason, they did a complete overhaul of one of the subclasses alongside with a new... Uh, not a new dungeon, a new uh, seasonal content. 
there was the raid, which was tied to the expansion. Then the next season, they had a new dungeon. They had a full overhaul of another subclass. Uh, so mm -hmm, generally mm -hmm. speaking, it comes with a dungeon or a raid and some other big thing alongside it. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Season of the Reason was basically uh, Witch Queen Plus, let's say. It was sort of uh, an addition to the story of the Witch Queen. So the soundtrack was pretty much the same. I can't recall anything new exclusive to it. Uh, Season of the Haunted was pretty horror-inspired in the story missions. So it was very ambience-heavy. Uh, I kind of enjoyed it, uh, but it's not really a soundtrack that you will remember because it's ambience for horror-inspired moments. Right, yep. Not my thing. Then we had Season of Plunder, which was kind of meant as a, a palate cleanser because the first two seasons were were very emotionally heavy. And Season of Plunder is just, you're pirates now. Go pirate. So we had a, a, a couple tracks that had that vibe, that, the piracy vibe. We were just locked into combat between two different ships, except in space. And they did it well. Uh, it was pretty fun. And now we're in the season of the Seraph, which I haven't been able to play very much because I was ill. So I have no opinions on that one yet. Uh, I do think it has a few Western-inspired songs because a lot of it is on Mars. And the dungeon that came with the new, uh, the new season even has... Uh, cowboy hats for all three classes. Yes, it should be. Uh, there's even a bit that I... Uh, this is entirely unrelated to the soundtrack, but there's a, a bit in the dungeon that's pretty funny at the start, because uh, you're coming to this abandoned uh, research facility, so there's a lot of abandoned buildings on both sides, making it look kind of like a... kind of like a ghost town from a western. And then you have tumbleweed tumbling <laughs> across the way and a single robot on the other side like like it's a gunslinger telling the the town isn't big enough for, for the two of you so i i expect a lot I of, a lot of western it. yeah I, I expect a lot of uh western inspiration there um but i haven't been been able to properly properly experience it yet but uh, th that's my general general impression of Destiny 2 uh, this year, as far as soundtrack goes. As far as gameplay goes, uh, I know people have been complaining about PvP a lot, with reason. Though there has been a rework to the PvP system this season, so we'll see how it goes. But uh, I've enjoyed the reworked subclasses. They've been pretty fun, and we can do some pretty over-the-top stuff right now, which I applaud. Alright, um, so it looks like next on our list we have Monarch. Yeah, which uh, I put down because it just feels like it'd be interesting. Uh, it's, it looks like an off-brand persona. I wasn't, I feel like there was a, I feel like this is a spin-off team. Like, not a game spin-off, but a, a team that spin-off from some other development team that wanted to make something Persona-like. 
or something yeah, SMT like. Possibly, possibly. I seem to remember reading something <laughs> about that. I know nothing about this game uh, musically. Yeah, I know, I know that it exists, and that's about okay. it. Okay. I feel like uh, it. Uh, it has potential once uh, somebody digs into it. It's just that none of us read it. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, FF6 Pixel Remaster. Is this the part where I bitch about the opera again? Because I'm totally willing to do that. Uh, I actually stopped playing this game after that, I realized. I had no desire to come back to it. It ruined my experience that thoroughly. Um, yeah. Rana, you made a joke once upon a time about how uh, you should have a soprano in your back pocket if you're any kind of music supervisor, to which I say, that is 100% true. I know you were joking, but any music supervisor worth their salt should have an actual operatic soprano around. And if they don't, then they are bad at their jobs. And I don't even mean that hyperbolically. Like, how do you not have this? Yeah. So. You have a budget. Use it for that. Yeah, please. Hopefully. I'm I'm pretty sure an operatic soprano would have cost the same amount for performance as the tenor, they, or not the tenor, as the alto they got. Yeah, and like, it's FF6. There's one scene you have to not mess well, there's two things you have to not mess uh -huh. up. One, the opening crawl with the three uh, mecha Magitek armors right. in the snow. And they got that right. That version two, of the soundtrack the is beautiful. Opera. And they, that's the one where they just dropped the ball so thoroughly I don't even know where to begin. I recoiled when I heard that. Um, yeah, and it seems like they wanted to make the effort, which is why they made it in 3D uh -huh. and the lights. But they dropped the ball at the most important part. And it's yes. and, and it's weird because there's no precedent for this. I've seen the opera at Distant Worlds. They get a soprano. I've heard all sorts of uh, concert versions. They, you know, sopranos. Why did this one get the alto? What happened here? I, okay. Anyway, I'm done. You've heard me yell about this a lot. I'm going to be yelling at this about this some more during my best of Worthless on New Year's, so, you know, be prepared for that again. Atelier Sophie 2. This game was kind of a surprise that it exists because they went to part one and part two of a follow-up game before coming back to Sophie. Yeah, and uh, they're going to go back to Rise at 3, but they've went back to previous strategies a little, especially with... Uh, uh, Atelier uh, Lulua was the main one, which was a continuation for like two, two or three trilogies ago. They released a lot of games. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this one was, uh, for your right, surprisingly, uh, uh, surprisingly solid to play on its own without any context of uh, previous uh, games of the series because it's an easy But game. how was the music? Wait, it's an isekai? The Never music. mind, I'm not asking that question, we don't have time for it. How's the music? The music was uh, nice, it, uh, it's uh, chill, it has some sweet moments. It's not my favorite of the series, that would be Atelier Aisha, but it's pretty good. You've, you've shilled for Aisha a few times. Uh... Yes, I did, because it's a good soundtrack. And now we have Elden Ring, which... Okay, it's a soul soundtrack. You kind of know what you're getting. Yep. And then we also had Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Jewel that came out in February. I, it's it's Yu-Gi-Oh! I tried. Yeah, uh, it was surprisingly good, the soundtrack. 
Uh, I don't How play Egyptian the... is it? One of the songs is very Egyptian. Just 100% Egyptian. Okay, but they do vary then, alright? Yeah, because uh, the entire anime, every season kind of changes completely the, the, the basics of it. So since the game has pretty much every card, not literally, but almost every card out there, it has all eras of Yu-Gi-Oh! into it. Um, I'll be honest, for a collectible card game, an online collectible card game by Konami in 2022, I expected a lot less. But the soundtrack is actually pretty fun. Uh, it's Sweet. it's kind of ambient uh, adjacent because it's a card game. It's not like there's a lot of action going on. Right. But uh, it does have yeah, some but, tense but, moments when you get to the end of a match and such. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you uh, can't uh, get uh, some things that kind of stick in your mind. That's why, uh, actually recently, uh, because uh, Genshin Impact had its uh, card uh, CCG minigame uh, added in, um, given the track record with underwhelming event music, I made a playlist that is uh, musics to uh, play card games and being the thinking tank to. Uh, especially for uh, playing uh, along with uh, uh, that uh, minigame mode. And uh, that let me remind myself that uh, Hearthstone did it really well. It's It's got that uh, tavern music kind of feel, but it sticks in your mind. It's good soundtrack. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I... To me, the soundtrack to Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel, uh, at least some of the tracks do stick in my mind. But uh, it, it's very much a your milage may vary situation, I, I would say. Because anyway, the, it is... the best card music in the world remains and will always remain Shuffle Boogie. Fair. But yeah, no, that's now stuck in my head. Okay, yeah, okay. As part of the playlist, there's also a pi piano version that uh, is uh, pretty good. I should check that out. Match then, we had uh, Chocobo GP that uh, looked interesting until the monetization scheme was really oh, revealed, dear. convincing me to absolutely never touch this game. Wow, alright, love that. Um... Yeah, no, I actually would have tried it if it wasn't such a freemium Battle Pass heavy game that came out around the same time as uh, Babylon's Fall, a game that is already off the servers, I believe. That makes me sad, I don't like it that Foreshadowing. <laughs> um, I assume the music was a bunch of cart-esque Final Fantasy Remix is judged by the name. I would assume so. I haven't really checked it out. I put it mainly uh, in uh, remembrance of uh, Chocobo Dungeons music, which was uh, uh, pretty incredible. Um, Actually, the best uh, At My Weapon uh, remix until FF6 Pixel Remaster. Oh! I'll have to check that out then. Um... All right, then we have the one that at least some of us have played, and that's Stranger Paradise. I own it. I have the deluxe edition, and at some point I'm going to install and play it, but it's got that whole, like, it's a Souls-like thing. And then I'm going to be honest, I am turned off by the fact that there 
in part using a remix of a Frank Sinatra song as part of their boss theme. And that really bothers me. Like, that just intrinsically bothers me. <laughs> Rana, have you played Stranger of Paradise? I tried my PC can't run it. Uh, I was gonna ask how edgy it is. I think the edginess is almost a quasi-joke. Yes. And it's a joke I'm very willing to laugh with, actually. Yeah, very same. <laughs> edgy, I, angry... Uh, edgy, angry uh, FF1 with a feather in its cap is Look, something I'm about. I just... I, I, I'll tell you the truth. Look, the scene where Jack interrupts the villain speech of the Lich to say, I don't give a f who you are and punch it in his skeleton chin is one of the single best moments of Final Fantasy history. That's just fact now. I'm okay with that. I, I guess I do have one concern is because it is a remix of this, like, not in public domain and heavily controlled song. I'm a little afraid of what happens if I stream it. And I kind of hope there's like a streamer mode and an alternate boss theme that won't yeah. do that. Um, alternately, yeah, I can look I into Nexus mods. I don't know that much about it because yeah. my main experience, given that I can't run it, was uh, looking at a speedrun of it recently, in which they lamented that uh, they didn't have the main dungeon music most of the time because they kept uh, running away from fights, which mm. means they kept having the enemies pursue them, which means the battle music was almost the only music to listen to for the entire game. Uh, and that brings us to Rune Factory 5. Rana, I think you did play this one. I did play this one for a while. Didn't persist that long. It existed. All right. And it's probably a better experience on a system that isn't the Switch. Man, that is a common refrain. Okay, so <laughs> what the heck is a Norco? Excellent question. I don't know, but apparently it was on a ton of uh, indie game of the year list, so I guess it's notable, and I hope it's good. I'm I'm always open to discover uh, a gem that eluded me. Also, I want this part uh, was uh, probably. Yeah, I think it was uh, on uh, March that came out uh, Endwalker patch 3.1, which means, oh, twin gods bless this land. Hmm. This has a mention. Fair enough. Okay, uh, Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga. I assume there's going to be a bunch of John Williams remixes in here. That's usually how the Star Wars games work. I assume so, and given that they go for basically the whole gamut of the current canon, uh, my hope would be that there's also some Ludwig Gordonson remixes in there, because I know the Mandalorian is in there unplayable. I and I really like the tone they, they gave to that track. I have in fact played the, the game and I have good news and bad news. Go ahead. Good news is there's a lot of John Williams. Shocker. What's the bad news? There's only a lot of John Williams. The characters from The Mandalorian are just character packs. They don't have story missions. Ah, unfortunate. It's John Williams, so it's good, but uh, do come with tempered expectations about the character yeah. packs. Um. Also, I haven't watched Endor because I don't think like it's the kind of uh, sci-fi that speaks to me, even though it's reportedly 
very good slash the single best series Disney I've put out in these last years. I've heard Andor is somehow better. I've heard good things about Andor as well. But then again, I actually really liked Red One, so... Yeah. And you have principles to abide by. That too. Uh, okay, uh, Rogue Legacy 2. I saw, I think, I, I saw a streamer play a little bit of this. I, was it Markiplier? I don't even remember. It looks fun. How's the music? Uh, the music's pretty catchy. It's always nice to return to which part. It kind of fades in the background, but they tend to have some pretty distinct hooks that really help you uh, uh, associate the sound with the biome they're in. It's some solid stuff. I liked it a lot. Aiden Chronicle Rising. Whoa. I haven't played what is this? I think Eddie you did. Uh, that's the uh, side game uh, action brawler from the team that's uh, working on an off-brand uh, bloodstained dish uh, Suikoden. Ah. Yeah, to, to keep things brief, Konami has basically done to the Suikoden team what they have done to the Castlevania team. So the Suikoden, te Suikoden team is doing their own bloodstained take on Suikoden, which is Aiden Chronicles 100 Heroes, I think it's the the full title of the main game and Rising is a spin-off that they reached through uh, Kickstarter the, a lot of people support on Kickstarter and it was a stretch goal just like the 8-bit uh, style uh, Bloodstained spin-off uh, I've played Alien Chronicle Rising and uh, I it's been a while and being a while in 2022 means my memory is gone. Right, I, so I remember the tracks being, left an impression in your head is what it is. I remember it being pleasant. Uh, I don't remember any specific melody, but I also was sick for basically half the year, so who knows. Alright. Then we had Sultan Sacrifice, which was the sequel to Sultan Sanctuary, one of the more notable 2D Dark Souls. Yep. With that, I imagine there was a fair amount of uh, tribes that were suitably grimdark. Yeah, uh, that was my experience with Blasphemous, so they they at least share some similar DNA yeah. despite being different companies and different, you know. I was very much gonna draw the comparison. Too. Yeah. It's just sort of right I tried there. Play the I, I tried playing the original game, but I just did not enjoy my time with it, so I didn't touch the sequel. Uh, as far as 2D Dark Souls, my best experience in that department remains uh, um, Lilies. I've heard good things. Next, we can move on to... Up, uh, no, May? Yep. May, we had the grand-awaited release of Diablo Immortals. Don't you guys have phones? The, the, <laughs> the letter T in Immortal is silent. Yes. Y yeah, I've seen the... I don't want to get into this conversation because we'll be here for another hour, but um, do we know anything about the music? Nope. Then we dump this game into the garbage where it belongs. Yeah, everything I've heard about the game line has been about the monetization, nothing about the music. Which 
Yeah, and uh, when you make a monetization scheme disguised as a game, you do you really get to be talked about for your artfulness? FFBE had a good soundtrack. Yeah, and by the way, I'm very happy about uh, the fact that uh, we have the full tracklist for the next uh, Final Fantasy Theatrism re release. Ooh. The Final Fantasy music game. And there will be actually uh, some of the uh, more side games and even phone game soundtracks. So there will be some uh, uh, Brave Exvius uh, tracks in there. That actually makes I'm me really happy. Uh, yeah. And some record people love too. And uh, that's actually very good I... if only because that means uh, some of those tracks get to be in a non-gacha game yeah um i still remember i went to one of the uh fan festivals of final fantasy brave exvius uh back when i was still yeah. like a real bad gambling addict and they had an orchestra play music from uh from that game i need to track down that live stream and rip those tracks i need to find that and I do love me some Noriyasu Agematsu. He's very good. Uh, okay, Metal Max Xeno Reborn. I haven't played it, but I mostly put it there because I've discovered and played uh, Metal Max uh, this year. And uh, finally, I can put a game behind the Battle with the Wanted track that I've learned about a fair amount of years ago. And uh, the rest of the game is just as good, is not, if not better, as that one track was. Which is Hypress, because that's a very good track, but it's a very good game, way ahead of the times in many ways, and it's a shame they aren't more known. In fact, uh, in the last two weeks I went back for a little bit of Metal Max 2 Reloaded, and uh, got all 12 tanks in there. Which feels nice to have a full garage. Yeah, I, 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 we described this game before. It felt pretty good. Uh, we should not um, dive into gameplay too much. I really want to avoid that, guys, because we're going to be here all year if we don't. Yes. Um, okay, Neon White. I know you played this game and you've showed off some tracks from before, and it is, it is, it is pulse pounding, this soundtrack. Yeah, as far as. Uh... Somebody composing a soundtrack for a video game for the first time. Machine Girl got their assignment down to a perfect understanding of what needed to be done. It's ideal track to uh, go and repeatedly run in this trippy environment uh, and uh, try to improve your times. Mm -hmm. I love how that game is basically speedrunning 101. Yeah, and it, it's so nice at encouraging you to uh, improve yourself instead of berating you for being too slow. Mm -hmm. Very good game. Red Out 2. Uh, Red Out 2, which is uh, uh, an indie-fied version of uh, somewhere between F-0 and Wipeout. And uh, given that it's... Uh, flying cars going so fast that you have to take into account uh, 
uh, turns so sharp they make you go into redout, which is the screen, the stream literally, uh, well, the screen, sorry, literally going red because of the excessive G's uh, in your pilot. Oh no. Yeah. And so it needs to have a nice techno track to go along with it. And I hope it does because I haven't played it. I'm guessing you haven't either, Eddie. Nope. Moving on. AI Somnium follow AI Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative. I'm guessing Come As You Are is not in the soundtrack here, despite that name. No, I don't think it is. Maybe it smells like like Teen Spirit. Is. <laughs> Maybe. Imagine a sequel to AI Somnium Files and. Uh... Uh, good things about both of those games and uh, definitely on my two playlists. Aren't they kind of VN adjacent? Or am I totally dead wrong with they that? They are VN adjacent. Okay. It's an investigation game. I think the writer works on Danganronpa. Not 100% sure. Okay. Okay. Um... Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. I hope it has uh, tracks uh, worthy of that series. Uh, Wasn't legacy. that one done by the Wu Tang, or at least members of it? Oh yeah, there was at least one track of the Wu, yeah, by the Wu Tang. That's a yet. cool vibe. And yeah. frankly, just if you're gonna have guests. Uh, that's a strong one. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm not much of a hip hop guy, but if I like, you know, even I recognize the need for more Wu Tang in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. I have not played it. I hope I haven't either, surprisingly. I have never uh, played Monster Hunter because the uh, too expensive for me usually. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Rise, the base game, had an excellent soundtrack. So I hope they kept the trend. And Even though the going... setting is different. And the base game is going to be on the Game Pass in January. So... Looking forward yeah. to that. There you go. Um, Saddle up a fun time. Now we're on to, looks like June. July. Oh, June, yes. Power Wash Sim had no soundtrack, but I feel compelled exactly. to uh, credit Carl Casey here for reasons why I stated in Now Play Once Upon a Time. Just really good royalty-free dark wave. Big thumbs up there. Exactly. Live Alive, on the other hand, has a Yokoshima Mora soundtrack, and I really need to listen to that soundtrack. Yeah, and uh, the, those remakes were extremely competent. I'm, didn't she remix herself? So I'm kind of not surprised by that. Yes. Yes. Xenoblade 3, we talked about at length earlier. Creep! Yeah, just lots of... Two-point campus. Lots of flutes. Boy, howdy, yeah. two-point campus I wanted to like more than I did. Um, it's fine, and the music is fine. It's better than two-point hospital was, which is saying something, but it's it still just doesn't rate higher than fine. Yeah. And I, doing, I think, like, uh, the updates uh, that they are starting to roll out and will hopefully continue to, lo to uh, roll will add uh, even more interesting stuff. But I mainly respect the latest day uh, rollout because it's the Christmas update and they're naming it Two Point Krampus. <laughs> That's fair. 
Um, I support a good pun. Tower of Fantasy. It was a shield uh, after a bit when it came out, and it feels like it fell flat in two months. Awesome. I remember yep. looking at it and then realizing the publisher was Perfect World Entertainment and going, nope. Yeah. Um, Splatoon 3 should have been nominated for Best Soundtrack of the Year. Yeah, you've shown us some songs. It has some wild stuff in there, so I get it. That it does. There's our other Voice of Cards game. Yep. Uh... Haven't even looked at it. Metal Hellsinger has been nominated for good reason. For yeah, soundtrack I of mean, the year. I have not played the game, but I've listened to those tracks, and oh man, it's good. Metal yeah. Hellsinger is very intense if you're a good player, and if you're like me, it's still a very good melodic death metal experience. Oh yeah, which is also intense <laughs> in its own way. That's a brutal self-own you just did right there. I suck at. FPS is even a rhythm FPS, so you know. <laughs> um, Speaking of rhythm game, Trombone Champ came out. I that am... game has been making the making the rounds as a meme online a lot. Oh yeah, it's it knows it's uh, there to meme, and I think that's interesting to have a rhythm game that is so self-parodic in a way. But most importantly, I appreciate that it seems to be mod friendly to the point where one of the most notable tracks is actually uh, uh, One Winged Angel, where you have the illustration of Steffi Graf with a comically long trombone, Masamune. That's funny. I remember when it you shared that. Really yeah. Uh, Diofield Chronicle, uh, composed by the Game of Thrones comp composition team, Ramin Jawadi and... Oh, really? Yeah, Ramin Jawadi and, um, I forget the second guy's name, because I usually just, uh, focus on Ramin. Right. Uh, I... Don't play it, unfortunately. Yeah, I remember our comment on the subject was, uh, they have a sound they were going for, that sound was apparently Game of Thrones. Yeah, I mean... I mean, if you want to go for a Game of throne sound there's worse ways to attain it than to hire the actual game of thrones team. yeah let's be honest at least they went for the game of thrones uh composers and not the game of thrones writers and directors uh Correct. stopping you right there directors are pretty much universally great there's only one that i really didn't like but even towards the end the direction has been on point the writers are trash but the directors have been great i'm going to take exception to this miguel sapochnik is a genius move on okay fair Shovel I dig. Haven't played it, but I appreciate that uh, it seems to have a more involved gameplay than some of the other Shovel Knight side games. And given that Shovel Knight is pretty much the face of uh, indie game crossovers, it's nice that he gets uh, some job on his own series still. Right? I hope it will get an actual sequel at some point. Um... Now the next game on the list is actually a surprise to me because I'm like, that actually released? Uh, Legend of Heroes, Trails Apparently. from Zero. I, um... Apparently, it's, it's a long series and I barely tipped the toe inside of the first one that was translated. I played the first two Trails in the Sky games. The second one was far better than the first one. The first one was an extended intro. 
Um, the second it one certainly felt like it one. was probably why I fell off of it. Understandable. The second one is really, really good. Like really good. Like probably in my top forty or fifty RPGs of all time. Good. Good. Um. Never played anything else from the series, in part because it was so hard to play Trails of Cold Steel because of the uh, system and uh, publisher change, because they went from XE to NIS America and completely just upended everything. Um, but oh. the music in the Trails of the Sky games were pretty darn good. Like, I would stand by those soundtracks. Very good use of what leitmotif. The... Rail grade. What the heck is a rail grade? Uh, that's a uh, game with like three different clashing aesthetics that uh, kind of reminded me that uh, you can't just put uh, Nightcore, uh, Nightwave uh, on uh, any soundtrack and call it a day. It isn't the Miracle Band-Aid it uh, almost is. Sometimes even duct tape just doesn't work. Indeed. Valkyrie, Valkyrie Elysium. Motoi Sakuraba's best soundtrack in years. Well, you know, I think I kind of... I think I appreciate this Motoi Sakuraba guy. Yeah. I should look into more of his work. <laughs> Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Definitely not on this podcast. Nope. Yep. Uh, Play Tale Requiem. We talked about this one earlier as well. Yes. Signalis heard good things about it, but I don't know where it stands details-wise and soundtrack-wise. It seems like a game that's best experienced rather than uh, uh, watched. I've never heard of it, and... so... Yeah, me neither. Star Ocean um, Divine Star Force. Ocean? Um, on the subject of Sakuraba... Not Sakuraba's best work of the year. Yeah, uh, on the subject of Sakuraba, I'm sure he composed this one, and it sounds like he phoned it in. I mean, if there's a series he can phone it in, it's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Bayonetta 3, it's uh, voice... Look pretty interesting, yeah. though. Yeah. Bayonetta, Bayonetta 3, 3, voice actor drama aside, I have yet to play this one and I really need to. Yeah, I feel like that situation really soured it at a pretty busy release uh, window, mm -hmm. which means um, it felt right to kind of sidestep it and let the situation fall back a little bit. Yeah. It sounds like a great game to get around to when it will be 30% off. Um, Harvestella, you played this one, you weren't a fan by the sounds of it, but at least was the music any good? Yes, the music was probably the best part. The music and aesthetics of this game are impeccable. The rest is that sounds the music for that correct. sounds like the most average like on the nose square game I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Like incredible creatives. What the hell were they thinking with about half of the rest of it? Um, God of War Ragnarok. We talked about that one at length earlier. Bear McCreary is great. Yep. Uh, Tactics Ogre Reborn. That's my favorite soundtrack of the year by far. Um, yeah. Shockingly. I think the, I think the comparison point I had is that uh, the FF6 Pixel Remasters had some improvement and some, uh, that, and some results that didn't stick the landing and the approval that was a disaster. 
And meanwhile, Tactics 6 Ogre Reborn is just banger after banger, improving what was already very good all across the line. It's just showing off. There's one song that I thought didn't quite work. One. One. And that's Accretion Disc. And that's because that was probably the most bleepity bloopity of the original SNES tracks ported into the later games. <laughs> and that one's, like, you get that, like... You get that like chip tuney, it's hard to do it in orchestra, and that sure plays out. Um Pentiment, I think ID you played this one? Yeah, uh the game is mostly ambient sounds because it goes for aesthetic of a medieval painting. Um but when there is music they nail that uh, medieval vibe. It's one hundred percent on on point. But it's rarely there. Goat Sim 3, it has a track record of being a pretty goofy soundtrack, of course, for the game it is. Yeah. And uh, I like me a little bit of goofiness every now and then. You don't say. Goat Sim's main theme was surprisingly catchy. I believe it. Uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. I know nothing about these soundtracks. I'm kind of avoiding the game till I patch it. The, I think that's the right call. And the soundtrack was absolutely excellent. Loved it. Great. When it wasn't glitched out. Yes. Oh, Eddie, here comes your favorite game of the year, Gungrave Gore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Edgelord bullshit. <laughs> when Eddie become edgy. <laughs> I, I, I was actually uh, very much a goth in my teen teenage years. Even had a trench coat. You still kind of uh, are now, let's be honest. I like to describe myself as an old goth, yes. Even though I'm barely 30. Um, the soundtrack to this game is, is fine. Uh, it's some alternative metal stuff, basically. But uh, I, the, the game will never not be yeah, funny that, to me. That feels like the kind of game where new metal is surprisingly acceptable. Yeah, there are some tracks that kind of feel like new metal. Uh, like I said in the episode where I brought it, uh, where I brought this game up, I was hoping something by Tsunami Mahori, which uh, the original Gungrave was, uh, the soundtrack nah. was by him. And it kind of ha had a thing going where the game was extremely edgy and it w was contrasting to a very loungy soundtrack. Just like the, <laughs> the, the anime, the intro to, to the anime is some soft jazz with like... <laughs> bullet shells falling and a dude shooting guns left and right. So I kind of I was kind of expecting that, but it's, it's they were playing the Agnes for for Rio instead of for jokes like they did with the apparently they did with Stranger of Paradise. So it it, it isn't as funny as it could have been, but the soundtrack's okay. All right. Contribution remake haven't heard it. Hope it's good and I mainly holding off and waiting for the Front Mission 3 release. Because what a game Front Mission 3 was. And I hope between that and the uh, Armored Core Fires of Rubicon we get a bit of a mecha renaissance. Um, we have Midnight Suns, the new Marvel game. Apparently that's like a strategy? I don't know the first thing about this. What the heck is that game? Yeah, it's... Uh, I think it's developed by the XCOM team and it has... Uh, Oh. Uh, kind of strategic gameplay, but uh, more freeform to allow for the superhero aesthetics to it. 
and in between missions instead of base building and development, it's more relations building a la personae. So interesting. I have yet. I've heard mixed things about this game. Uh I haven't played it either. But I hear the the writing is pretty pretty eh makes you question decisions by the writers a lot and uh I haven't heard anything about the soundtrack, so for all I know, it's probably another case of a Marvel game with a generic superhero fitting soundtrack. Yeah, because that's, that's usually how it goes. Because, which is a shame, because the XCOM have some really good music to them. Um, and Guardians of the Galaxy has been nominated for a Grammy, so occasionally they yeah, do something knows. good with Marvel. Yeah, but isn't that mostly licensed track anyway? I have no idea. Which is how it should be for uh, I mean, Guardians yeah, Guardians, if game, any series has an excuse for it, it's that. Exactly. Uh, and finally, we they have one of my contenders for Game of the Year, Ixion. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this sound... I played the demo of that when the demo first came up in a Steam Next Fest, and uh, they get the vibe really well. They do, and I really like the main theme. It's It's just this really cool, like... <laughs> It's the right balance between tense and hopeful, and I think that's important for a space station sim. Yeah, because um, given that it is kind of frostbuck in, in space, I think it's important to keep uh, your eyes on something other than a death spiral it's so easy to get into. Oh boy. Uh, and then, yeah, this this composer, Guillaume David, uh... Pretty good. Pretty darn good. I like what I'm hearing. Good. The name is new to me, but uh, seems promising. New to me as well, but I like what I'm hearing, so I'll take it. And while it isn't out yet, we've briefly touched on it, but uh, I can't see a world where River City Girls 2 coming out tomorrow will have a bad soundtrack. I mean, Megan McDuffie is a really strong composer. I like a lot of her solo work as well. Like, yeah. Yeah, and there were some previews peppered mm -hmm. in here and there on, uh, on social media, yeah. and it was good. I mean, the first River City Girls was so... That soundtrack was so good, it made me reevaluate my musical it taste as a whole. It literally got you into a genre. Yeah. Like, I had to go, wait a minute, do I actually like this? And I do, it turns out. So, that that says a lot about how good that soundtrack was, and I can't imagine the second yeah. one would be a failure by comparison, especially given it's the same composer. Yeah. God, I would uh, love to get her on the show for an interview, let me tell you. Oh, that'd be amazing. Also, in uh, more recent games that... Ne haven't necessarily released recently, but that I've played recently, since, honestly, that uh, episode was uh, a bit of awards discussion and then an extended uh, no-playing, really. Mm -hmm. uh, I went back to The Grace I Set Only, and, uh, yeah, that soundtrack uh, keeps being a very good, uh, very uh, period evocative because uh, it's got that uh, Sherlock vibe to it, along with uh, a bit of Ace Attorney sauce, and uh, I like it a lot. It's, I think, given the writing and the gameplay system, it is my favorite Ace Attorney game. Okay. Period. 
And given how much I love that series, that's saying enough. That is pretty high praise. I've also touched on the full release version of Potion Craft. The music is very discreet, but it's it does uh, medieval stuff that uh, corresponds to its aesthetics. It does the job. And uh, I've also touched to a demo for a Kickstarter project that I think is still in the pipes and uh, that can still be backed, which is Bits and Bops, which is uh, uh, Rhythm of Heaven with the numbers filed off. Right. That was the Rhythm Heaven getting the bloodstream treatment, like you said. Yep. Yes. And uh, it's a tall order because there's a very specific feel, but the demo, both with uh, its cheerful music and the visual that accompany it, give me hope. That's awesome. It's a hard feel to get, but I feel, think they nailed it. And I don't just say that because one of the three mini games in the demo involves having nails up. <laughs> what is this, WarioWare? Uh, it's the same spirit, very much so. Oh, okay then. I, I, That was the joke I made, but it turns out to be correct. All right. Yeah, no, it's we very are much in that same kind of mood, and uh, I'm absolutely down for it. And let's not forget that we are oracles, and you are one of us, Galen. Exactly, which is why I'm going to now manifest Xamblade uh, Chronicles X uh, on uh, another system by talking about it. So, you see, when it comes to the subsystems, what's interesting is that the class progression... That's all the time we have for this episode. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this two-year anniversary special where we look back at the games of the year, we look back at our own history and how far we've come and how far we have yet to go and how much more we want to build this thing. I mean it when I say, I couldn't do it without you guys. You guys are amazing. Eddie, Rana, thank you so much for being a part of this. Yeah, you're alright, too. Yeah, you're, you're, you're an okay guy. Uh, we make a good team. We do. Easy jokes, hey! Easy jokes! Uh, as always, you can get in contact with us uh, via the links in the description below, and please do... Please, please, please do. We want to hear from you. We want to hear you. feedback. How are we doing? What could we do better? What do you want to hear? Uh, Even episode uh, theme suggestions. Sometimes we honestly kind of struggling for a theme. And some uh, viewer input would be great. Always. You know, besides another episode. Uh, another episode uh, on anime instead of video game. I think that was a one-off, to be perfectly honest with you. We'll we'll figure out something else for next April Fools. Maybe. I have an idea. Oh god, I'm oh scared god. already. I think I already uh, suggested it. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to checking my notes history and figuring out what that is. And with that. Or to be reminded once we're done with the episode. Thank you very much, everybody, for watching. That's right, Galen. I'm taking over the outro. There is no rules. There is only chaos. Have a nice day, everyone. <laughs> see ya. Oh, boy. See ya.